Welcome to the College Baseball Recruiting 101 podcast brought to you by Keep Playing Baseball. This is your host, Ethan Gavon, coming to you from Sacramento, California. Keep Playing Baseball is a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping every high school baseball player navigate the recruiting process and play college baseball. At Keep Playing Baseball, we don't think money should dictate college baseball opportunity, and all our resources, including this podcast, are 100% free. No signups, no fees, no strings attached. We use the College Baseball Recruiting 101 podcast in many different ways, but the main point is to get you the information you need to keep playing baseball. We appreciate you tuning in to the College Baseball Recruiting 101 podcast, the best source of recruiting information on the go. What's up, guys? We're joined by Mitchell Cranson on this episode. Cranson is a graduate from De La Salle High School in Concord, California, of course known for its football fame. Cranson is also a former Cal baseball standout and graduate. He finished last season in AA with the Twins organization and will look to make an even bigger splash in 2019. Cranson earned the nickname El Gaucho in college and became somewhat of a cult icon after his extra inning walk-off home run over host Texas A&M in the 2015 regional in College Station. He's joining us to talk college baseball, baseball preparation, and much more. Cranny, thanks for joining us on the podcast today, man. How's it going? Going great, man. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. Let's kind of jump right into things, man. Before we start talking about your time in pro ball, kind of want to take it back to the very beginning, give the audience kind of a background of where you're coming from. So uh, we've talked about your recruitment before and you have some cool stories. Let's start there, man. Tell us a little bit about Mitchell Cranson, you know, the junior high or or high school baseball player. You know, junior high, um, you know, I played just the normal travel ball. Um, You know, I did a couple showcases here and there, but not nothing, you know, crazy. I feel like a lot of people these days are, you know, going a little overboard with those things, but um, you know, I did, uh, I did the normal, you know, the normal, uh, stuff. I played as much baseball as I could, um, in junior high. And then, um, you know, going to high school, I decided to go to Dale South. Um, that was a bit, that was a really good decision for me. Um, you know, I got to experience playing football, um, at a pretty well-known, you know, football high school. And that just really, you yeah. know, taught me, um, not only just, like work ethic stuff, but just kind of ways of going about my, you know, my business. And that didn't even have anything to do with baseball, kind of like work ethic stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Unpack that a little bit for us, man. Cause that's uh, obviously, and maybe the best known high school football program in the country. Yeah. You know, it was, uh, I had never played before. And so I kind of went into it just, uh, you know, the name speaks for itself and, it was awesome going in and knowing that like the first day of school after having all these workouts, I had like 65 people or 70 people who all tried out, who I all knew going into the first day of school, since I only knew about three guys who were actually enrolled in the school before football. Right. So that just really helped me, you know, kind of um, break the ice with uh, meeting new friends. And um, some of the guys I met those days, I still talk to um, to this day. Awesome. So what are some of those lessons that you learned from football that you then carried over to your baseball stuff? You know, um, 
I, I remember kind of going forward a little bit, but I remember getting to Cal when I was actually um, finally on campus or when I was talking to you guys, you know, while you're recruiting me, you kind of right. started talking about, um, you know, workouts and, you know, AM workouts, you know, early in the morning and then going to school all day. Well, I had already started that since my sophomore year of high school um, because I was playing football and baseball for my sophomore year. And so I had to get my football workouts in in the morning time before school and then had to go to school all day right. and have baseball practice after school. So I kind of like that work ethic just kind of it started before I got to college. Yeah, and that's probably something that's even carried over to pro ball, right? Where a lot of guys are working out before the games actually are played. Um, for sure. I mean, you know, making sure we get our workouts in. It's a little different in pro ball than in college. You know, you normally don't work out for pro ball until like probably one or two o'clock in the afternoon, where college you still have all, you know, the day of class. You know, but it really right. helped me even just like in the off-season training is, you know, getting up at 6 a.m. to go do you know, one of the workouts for the day, just so you can get, you know, your cardio in, your workouts in, your hitting in, and then now, you know, adding catching and throwing, like there's a lot of stuff to do throughout the entire day. So by getting an early start, it really helps. Awesome, man. Well, we'll, we'll get to that later, but, you know, walk us through. So you get to high school and then kind of how did your recruiting process play out from there? When did you know you wanted to play college baseball and, and what did you do? Um, my high school baseball experience was, you know, kind of kind of different than I would say most other people who, you know, I knew that I always wanted to play college baseball. And I knew that I I, f I felt like I had a pretty good uh, idea that I was going to have that opportunity, you know, right. but the, with the school I was going to and the coaches that were there at the time, you know, I never I didn't play varsity baseball until I was a junior. Right. They had, you know, the, the coach was a little bit old school and wanted freshmen to play freshmen and, you know, so forth. And so, you know, I, a lot of the time I spent making seeing if I was going to be able to play college baseball was in the summertime and playing against some of the best competition because, you know, freshman baseball can, you know, the competitions like freshman baseball. Yeah. Mixed yeah. Bag. So, you know, I really knew playing the summertime. I was always playing up that I really had a chance. And then I started hearing from schools and, you know, if I really wanted to, I could, probably could have committed before ever playing a single inning of varsity baseball. Which is crazy to think, think about, yeah, right? Exactly. I, you know, I didn't play against anybody from really around here yet. All these colleges because of what they saw in the summertime, like would were giving me offers. Huh? And so this is, your sophomore year? Yeah, then? freshman and sophomore. I'd say probably, yeah, freshman year, like freshman summer going into my sophomore year. And then mm -hmm. um, after my sophomore year going into my junior year was when um, the recruiting definitely heated up. And so a lot of kids feel that, that pressure as soon as they start getting interest from, from college coaches and they feel like they want to lift kind of this burden that's hanging over them to make a commitment. Why didn't you do that? What what led you to wait and see how things played out? Um, you know, the reason I waited was um, there were a lot of – like I think I've talked about this on, before with you um, on one of the other things we did about recruiting. And um, yep. I really enjoyed all of the certain dates that went along with, um, you know, the recruiting process. So, you know, the, the days that they can email you and they, or they can call you and that was probably the best decision I ever made because like those days are pretty exciting to, you know, the yeah. day that they can call you and to wake up and have, 
you know, four calls within the first hour of you waking up because that's like the time the period actually opens. Like that's pretty, it's pretty exciting. So for a player like you who clearly was a college caliber player and a high, high quality player early on, you know, you would encourage those guys to kind of let that process play out and, and enjoy those moments like the phone calls, like the ability to visit campus and, and that type of thing. Absolutely. And then, you know, especially in my case, you know, if I were to have committed before um, I did, I would not have gone to Cal because Cal's program got cut. Right. Um, you know, I'd heard from Cal a lot before they got cut. And then, you know, then they went out. Of, then they I didn't hear from them. And then that's this time period I'm talking about, you know, sophomore, junior year, where if I pulled the string really early, I would not have gone to Cal. Yeah, and I think that just highlights what a lot of people don't realize is that things in the recruiting process are very fluid, right? They change. A coach leaves one school or assistant coaches leave or, you know, all of a sudden you make a little bit of a jump and now programs that weren't previously interested become interested and so that's a really interesting point you make there about, you know, kind of letting your opportunities come to you and play out. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I had it a couple couple of different ways. You know, one way is the Cal where, you know, they get cut. There's no more team. They don't think they're going to have a team. And then, you know, don't hear from them until later on. You know, and then another one is I remember I was getting recruited by uh, UCLA and Coach Vanderhoek. And he all of a sudden leaves UCLA, becomes the head coach of Fullerton. And all of a sudden I'm getting recruited by Fullerton. So right. it kind of everything changes in a matter of an instant. Yeah, a little bit of a carousel. And we've talked about it before, but you've you actually did some promoting of yourself, some recruiting for yourself, right? You you told me a story about a time where you were visiting Notre Dame and you just knocked on the coach's office unannounced. Oh uh, right? yeah, correct. I uh we were out in Chicago playing a tournament during the summertime and um one of my buddies um that we were that I was with and his dad was there his grandpa ended up going to Notre Dame and so we all wanted to go check out Notre Dame since we were like an hour away so we went and checked out the whole campus and then just happened to pop by the baseball offices knock on a door and what do you know the head coach is in there so how did that conversation go what did you say uh you know we kind of went in there and just kind of told them about that we were here playing baseball and whatnot and uh you know, it's nice when you're able to drop the high school you go to because a lot of people know who it is. It's definitely a conversation there. starter. And both of us who actually were in the room that day went to Dale Cell. And so, you know, then he, the coach started asking questions. And then, um, you know, he said, hey, you know, I can't, you know, call you guys or anything. But, you know, maybe if you, you know, get home, like send an email. And I was going to send an email either way, just kind of like a follow-up email. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, next thing you know, I was getting recruited by them and went to a camp out there and had to make sure that I could see I could see myself living in uh, the snow coming from California. And how did that um, work out? <laughs> it was it, man, that was my dad and I walked out of the uh, hotel and it felt like the worst slap in the face I've ever felt. <laughs> it was unbelievable so you- how cold and we, we got there in January. It might have been like this time in January. It was one of the, I think it was one of the um, holiday weekends. And uh, they had just gotten like two feet of snow. So California guy in in Indiana didn't really 
strike you as a fit then? Um, no, but then, you know, the tough, the toughest part about that and what's something that I, uh, I made sure of after that whole Notre Dame thing, which I really learned was, um, I, I didn't, I didn't get the necessary, um, SAT combined score to get in there. Um, that was yeah. one of the, like, as a big school, like, um, Notre Dame or like a Duke or like a Stanford, you know, those are big schools where like academics really mean a lot. And to get you into the school, they don't budge as much as maybe some other schools. And uh, I didn't get the necessary combined SAT score. And so I, you know, made sure after that to make sure that never happened again. Yeah. So was that something that the coaches told you? So you, you sent in your academic transcript and they got back to you and said, hey, listen, you, you, you're not quite there. They, yet. Uh, they told me before and I took any of the SATs. I actually took the SAT early so that I could get it sent to them to see if it would pass. And so they told me right. the range that I needed to be in. And I think I was like 50 points below. Um, right. And they just, they pretty much said, you know, I, I, I didn't really think I was going to be able to see myself there after to go into the snow, but you know, I still wanted to see if like I could get into the school and uh, being 50 points below, they just they said there wasn't any room for r- wiggle room. And did they give you the option of taking it again and trying to get your score up, or was it? Or was well, I could I I could have, and then I ended up taking the ACT, and um, I took the ACT and got the necessary score, but I believe they. And this is a long time ago now, so um, <laughs> I believe they told me it, it was a little bit. It was too late. They had already gotten the type of recruits they were looking for by the time I got that score. Gotcha. So there's a couple couple key things you're hitting on there. One, obviously the importance of academics, not just your grades, but your test scores. Oh yeah, for sure. And then the other thing is, you know, just coming up with a a system of priorities, right? So it might not seem like weather should be a big deal, but when you're playing college baseball and you're going to be out there in that weather for, you know, four four to six months out of the year, that's that's a huge big deal. deal, you know. So so how did you set your priorities? How did you decide what was most important for you in the recruiting process? Um, after visiting schools and researching schools, the the biggest one of the biggest priorities for me was I really wanted to play in the Pac-12. I I felt like um, the Pac-12 is every bit as competitive as the SEC or the ACC in baseball, but I just felt like the SEC and ACC were too far away. Like I feel like I could have reached out to those coaches if I was willing to travel that far away from home for college, but I just, I didn't really feel like I wanted to. So I felt like the next, you know, that version of baseball is the PAC 12. And, um, you know, that kind of set my eyes on, um, you know, those schools. So you set yourself on a level of play that you, you thought fit well with your skill your skill set and then your goals for becoming a professional baseball player. Absolutely. And then, you know, just by saying I wanted to play in the Pac-12, you know, pretty much every school in the Pac-12 academically, you know, fits what I wanted for academics. Yeah. So you're looking at a a high level academic institution, a degree that is going to provide value for you long after your baseball career. Absolutely. Awesome. So, how did you end up deciding on Cal? I mean, I was I was there during your recruitment a little bit, just for full disclosure, as a grad assistant, so I wasn't heavily involved in that process. But just kind of walk walk people through how you decided on 
on attending Cal and committing to Cal. You know, obviously Cal, the academic speaks for itself. Um, so that checks that box. Obviously, playing like my goal of playing the Pac-12, check that box. Um, and then, you know, just I felt like I had the ability to play right away. Um, the the recruiting class b- before me was a little bit thin just because of the uh, the way the program was cut and then brought back. So I feel like some of those guys left. And obviously, you right. can attest to that. You know that recruiting class was a little that recruiting class was a little thin, you know, because of those things. So you know, I felt the ability to play, and then um, you know the coaching staff I uh, I bonded well with, and you know it was it was close enough to home, but also far enough where it didn't feel like I was still living at home. And so you made you made that commitment during what time? That was your junior year. Uh, no, actually, it was the day before. I committed the day before my senior year of high school started which i think is another great thing for players out there with power five aspirations is these these programs are you know while their recruiting happens much earlier than other programs you know they're still signing players you know even into their senior year which is i think uh, a great point that you bring up so you know kind of looking back at your process and, and everything that happened to you do you have any advice for, for junior high and high school players out there who really want to play at the next level? You know, what's what's kind of your best recruiting nugget, your best piece of advice for them in having a successful recruiting process? I would say definitely, um, you know, take your time. As, as fast as I feel like people are moving towards trying to commit nowadays, um, you know, schools do still have money and scholarships to give away later on, you know, which is what happened mm-hmm. to me. So that's a big, I would say, take your time, enjoy those special dates where they're able to call you, email you, talk, just, just talk to you. It's like, it's kind of a exhilarating feeling seeing all the people call you. And then I would say, you know, with all the ways of recruiting nowadays with um, social media and whatnot, I'd say, make sure that uh, the coaches are evaluating you just off of what, you know, comes from the field and they don't have a reason to, uh, you know, crush them off their list based off of something that doesn't have anything to do with their baseball skills. Great advice, man. So, all right, now walk us through your first fall at Cal. You know, what was the biggest challenge or adjustment for you when you got to campus? Oh, man, that's, yeah, this is a long time ago. Uh, yeah, you got to dig It's dig not deep, that long, <laughs> but it feels like a long time ago now. Um, I would say freshman year, the toughest part was just like, you know, in high school, you have to go to every class. And in college, they don't necessarily take attendance. So it's kind of on you and you have to be self-motivated, you know, to go to those classes and make sure you don't fall behind. And so just the the schedule of everything, which I was used to because of, you know, high school, but it's just a little bit more demanding with college sports. Um, you know, the classes are tougher. The workouts were longer then you have all these different types of practices you can have. Like it just, the, the time of day was just, it, it went by very fast. So did you feel uh, the pull to maybe skip some of those classes as a freshman or did you stick, stick with the program and know that that was something that you needed to just get uh, done? There was definitely a period of time where there were days I, you know, chose not to go to class. Um, but I was pretty self-motivated to, um, you know, take advantage of the opportunity to get, you know, the Cal degree. 
yeah, definitely a, a huge period of adjustments. And, um, you know, as we mentioned in your, in your bio, you graduated from Cal, which is a, a huge sticking point. And so, you know, good, good point of emphasis there is focusing on the academics and continuing to make progress towards achieving that degree. Tell us a little bit more about, you know, the training that took place at Cal and, and talk a little bit about what it's like to play in a Power Five conference, what that competition's like and, and what the talent level's like. Yeah, uh, you know, training wise, it all, I would say the training definitely took off more my sophomore year um, when you weren't there. Mm-hmm. Um, gotcha. We had a new. You think that was it, man? Was that holding <laughs> you back? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, you know, we got we got a new uh, strength coach our sophomore year, and it was just way more you know hands on. We were doing conditioning in the morning four days a week, and then four days a week we were also lifting in the afternoons you know coach just put a big emphasis on he felt like we were not as big as the other Pac-12 schools and so he just made sure that we put all of our time into really you know getting our putting our bodies getting our bodies in shape and so you know eventually we had to start combining that with baseball stuff and I mean I was sore like we did a lot of you know, really hard conditioning and workouts just to make sure that, you know, to, to be able to compete with all these other big time schools. Absolutely. And so what was that competition like between the schools? What type of type of players were you facing and and what was the talent level like? Uh, You're facing every Friday night, some of the best pitchers in the country, like, you know, some of the biggest names in college baseball. I mean, you're facing and, uh, you know, I'd say, you know, facing them gave you a little bit of, you know, it gave you confidence because you're on the same field as them. Um, and then obviously if you did well, it gave you the confidence to know that, you know, those guys are going to get drafted and, you know, maybe there's a chance you could too. And then, you know, you're, right. you're, then you also play, you know, like the trap games, the like the midweek games. You always had schools that weren't in the Power Five conference or, mm-hmm. you know, not in the Pac-12. And, you know, they wanted to beat us up. And so it was, you know, they, they stepped their game up to play us. So you're constantly getting the best thrown at you, regardless of, of who you're playing, because everyone Absolutely. wants to take you down. And so from a confidence standpoint, how, do, how were you able to maintain, you know, as, as the ups and downs in the season came, how are you able to maintain that confidence knowing that, you know, you're going to be facing really tough competition and you needed to, to show up that day? Uh, I mean, that's the tough part. That's just, uh, you know, where you're competitive. Like, I mean, I'm ultra competitive. And so, you know, I wanted to show I belonged. So I think a lot of people, you know, they look at themselves as D1 guys or power five guys. But I think what you're speaking to is really the the level of commitment, the level of confidence and and the work ethic that it takes to play at that level. And, and that's not really for any, for, for everyone. It's absolutely not for everyone. And, you know, we, you we you see that with guys you've played with who just you know sometimes don't last. College baseball, uh, especially at the highest levels, has a way of kind of exposing the guys that don't get joy out of out of that daily grind, so to speak. That's exactly right. Now you played multiple positions at Cal. Played some third base. Played some first base, I believe. You you caught. Can you talk a little bit about the value of being versatile at the college level and how that might have 
led to some opportunities for you to play right oh, away? 100%. I mean, I played, you know, first base, third base, I caught. My junior and senior, I played a little bit of left field and right field just to fill in every once in a while. Um, you know, my ability to play different all different positions, it allowed me to um, start right away as a freshman. I don't know if I would have started right away if I was a freshman, if I couldn't have played first base and step in to play first base because we had someone, uh, you know, a junior, a senior at the time, um, you know, get hurt right before the season. And now all of a sudden we need someone to play first base and I was able to step right in. Yeah. Huge, man. Huge. And then you have some success and that continues providing opportunities for you down the line. Absolutely. All right, man. So talk to us about your best, memory from college you know what what is the main takeaway when you think back to your your college baseball days whether it's on the field or off the field what's what's your favorite memory of playing college baseball um I mean you probably know the answer to this my favorite memory is hitting the home run uh at Texas A&M in a regional as a walk-off extra inning game back and forth high pressure states yeah that was uh that was by far the coolest thing I did in college um you know it was on the biggest stage it's kind of crazy I, I still sometimes see videos of it you know it always gives me the chills and um yeah i've got the chills just talking <laughs> I'm about it me right too. Now. i was i was and i was watching on my tv over in south carolina i mean and the point. yeah the amount of the amount of texts i got the amount of social media attention i got i mean i had to turn my phone off to go to sleep that night like I was getting so many people texting me. I think after, cause like after I hit the home run, I then like had to do some interviews and then I had to do a couple more interviews. And by the time I finally looked at my phone, I think I had like 150 text messages. Um, Unbelievable. You know, and then it got, it was one of the top 10 plays on sports center that night. So that was definitely by far, you know, the coolest experience. And it's so funny because every, I see people that I play against, play with who always bring it up. And it's just funny to think about. The gift yeah. that keeps giving, right? You get to keep reliving that memory. All right. So you finish up your college career, you get your, your degree from Cal, and then you get drafted by the Minnesota Twins. Talk to us about the transition from college to pro ball and how your experiences in college kind of prepared you for that pro career. Definitely, like baseball-wise, the playing in the Pac-12 definitely prepared me for uh professional baseball you know i you're facing a lot of the same caliber guys there's more of them um but you're facing you know that friday or saturday night starter as every pitcher and so it wasn't like i was overwhelmed by the pitching because i feel as if i had faced that um so that was definitely very helpful with you know college preparing me for that you know and then a lot of i mean toughest part is like when you first start in pro ball, like you are in some of the smallest towns in the United States and, yeah. you know, being able to kind of just go with the flow. It just, it's one of those things that baseball players have to do. And so if you can't do that, then I don't really know if professional baseball is, you know, for you. Yeah. And that's something for players of your caliber to consider when they're trying to decide whether they're going to, going to go play in college or or sign professionally out of high oh, yeah. school it's it's kind of eye-opening you know when you see these some of these places in the united states what are some of the the small towns that you've played in in your well 
couple of years of playing in pro well, my ball. My whole first year, that was uh, in the Appalachian League. So, you know, we were in Elizabethton, Tennessee. So all those places in that league are very small. Um, you know, Princeton, West Virginia, Bluefield, um, Johnson City's right next to Elizabethton. Bristol, which is where that Bristol Motor Speedway is. Um, Greenville. Like, there's just a there's a ton of places, you know, right there that are all just, you know, tiny all through Tennessee and, uh, you know, Virginia, West Virginia. Yeah. So did you have a, a like a welcome to professional baseball moment? Mm, you know, my welcome to professional baseball really didn't, um, I'd say, occur until my second year. Um, my first year felt a lot like college summer ball, just with like, you know, coming from the place, like the places we played to the facilities, to the towns, like it just seemed a lot like college summer ball. I would definitely say the next year, um, you know, welcome to pro ball definitely happened. And was there one moment for you where it was like, man, this is, this is professional baseball or was it just kind of gradually open your eyes to, to the different lifestyle and the different competition? I would say just, you know, there were a couple of places and I, I got started in low A um, my second year and I just, you know, the facilities were nicer. There were more fans in the stands. Um, I ended up making the all-star team. And so just being a part of, you know, the all-star game and, you know, seeing all these guys that you hear their names and realizing that like I was on the same field and I was in the, you know, the all-star, I was voted in as being an all-star starter, like with those same guys, like that was pretty fulfilling for me. Yeah, that's awesome. And so, you know, we hear all the time about the importance of, of routine, yeah. right? And so talk to us a little bit about, for starters, your off-season routine. How are you preparing for the season? So I would say my off-season routine is probably a little different than um, most people. Uh, I don't normally pick up a bat until January, like right around Christmas time, probably Christmas or January. I just, um, okay. you know, take it easy with the – without hitting I, I do play a lot of golf um but uh <laughs> you know i just you know the swing needs its rest just like our body does with my training um so i normally get home in september and uh the entire month of september is all about getting my it's like i call it my pre-training um because it's all about getting my body ready for my actual training um i have a trainer that i i've had this is my third off season with him and so it's a ton of, you know, stuff to get my back ready, to get my hamstrings ready for the constant. Because we do a lot of, you know, explosion jumping work, which is, like, really important in baseball is, you know, being explosive. So I do a right. lot of, uh, you know, stuff for my low back and hamstrings. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, doing cardio and watching, like, and walking on the treadmill at, like, an elevation. You know, and then, so that's, like, pretty much the entire month of September. And then I, I normally start right around October 1st with my trainer. And, you know, he, he puts a plan together for me. And it's different every year because, you know, my body has evolved where I don't need to do the same stuff I was doing my first year in pro ball. Right. Um, I'd say, you know, typical routine, like this, I mean, for example, like this morning, I, I do cardio before I eat breakfast. And so I was up at six o'clock. I was in the gym at six 30 from six 30 to like probably seven fifteen doing cardio. And then I came home to eat. And then after eating, I, uh, 
went back to the gym because I trained with my trainer and that was like all the explosion stuff and and some sort of lifting at nine o'clock. And then um, today I didn't do any baseball stuff because I had a dentist appointment. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You mean, you mean professional baseball players? Yeah. You know, I had my, my face was numb the entire day. Um, (laughs) So then, you know, but normally I would uh, have gone and, you know, done some sort of baseball, whether that's, you know, catching and throwing or hitting. Um, and then I like to get all my stuff done early in the day. I don't like to wait to do stuff later on. And I'm also very fortunate where, you know, I'm not doing working a nine to five job during the off season where I, I, I have the ability to get all my stuff done before, you know, probably three o'clock every day. Right. So what are some of the, the focuses that you're, you're putting on your body this this off season how are you trying to take that next step forward for the coming so season? every year before this i've just my main goal has been you know i needed to kind of lose some weight and when i came back this year um i just i made a really good conscious effort this entire last season to you know keep my weight down and i did a really good job at that and so this year i actually for the first time in my entire life i actually tried to gain weight and the reason behind that was we were going to try and put muscle on. And then um, now that I know how my body works, it's easier to, you know, take weight off. And so for the first like three right. and a half months, I was, I had a pretty strict diet where I was having a lot of protein shakes and eating a ton of food, which I thought was way too much. Um, but it ended up really working. And um, now, you know, I'm trying to cut back down. And so it's a, uh, that's probably been the main focus is, you know, really being able to put the, uh, put weight on for the first time in my life and try and gain muscle so that I have, you know, more muscle mass to go throughout the entire season because you're bound to lose muscle mass through 140 games. Yeah. And so let's transition to during the season. What's, what's your daily routine in the season? What's your game day routine and what are you doing both to, you know, try and maintain the work that you've done in the off season. Are you trying to maintain? And then how are you getting ready to prepare to play? Yeah. You know, uh, with most, most games at seven o'clock, you know, if you're on the road, um, normally there's a gym bus at like, um, I believe 10 or 11 in the morning. And so if we're on the road, you know, probably try and go to the, if we're to five game, we have like four, it's normally this last year in double A, it's kind of weird. The Southern league does five game series. And so I'd try and train probably twice a five game series. Um, but it, that could change. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less based off how I feel. Um, you know, but yeah. if we're on the road, probably go to the gym at 10 or 11, then grab lunch. And then, the, you know, you had to be field at like three. If we're at home, probably try and get to the, if the game's at seven, probably try and get to the field at two o'clock. Um, you know, probably grab lunch before I go to the field, get to the field at two. And then I got in a routine of, I like, I really like to like, you know, ride the bike, um, at the field <clears throat> that really like helps me loosen up my hips because I have pretty tight hips. And, uh, so I would do that. And then, um, I tried to do that almost every day we were at home, um, whether I was lifting or not. So like on days I wasn't lifting, I'd still get that in, you know, and then I'd get a, you know, quick lift in. You're all about trying to maintain. You're not there's guys who try and say that they are trying to gain muscle during the season. And those guys will end up getting hurt because they're trying to push too much weight with that many games and being on our feet as much as we are. 
so it sounds like, you know, kind of throughout your whole training regimen and, and preparation routine, you know, it's, it's a lot of just reading your body and, and really being aware of what you personally. Yes. Need. You have to, you have to know your body. That's like the, I'd say that's probably, um, the one thing I've learned the most in pro ball is just knowing your body. There's days where, you know, you need, you need to get a workout in and there's days that, you know, you, you know, you need to rest. Yeah. That's great, man. That's a, that's a nice recap for people to hear in terms of putting together a plan that is really tailored to what you need. Um, so, you know, we would, we would be missing something if we didn't talk about the technology and the <laughs> analytics. So, you know, each, each level you go up, you know, it seems like, players in professional baseball and even in college, you know, they're getting more and more information. So, you know, what are some of the important metrics that you're keeping track of? And, you know, is there anything that, um, you know, having access to this now that you would suggest would be important for a high school player interested in playing college to Um, keep their eye on? I mean, analytics is all over the game now, as everybody can see. It's, uh, there's a lot of things that, um, you know, I take I, the most the anal, the analytics I use the most have to do with how I call a game when I'm catching, um, because you know right. we have we have computers in every locker room where we can go and search every single player, and see, you know, their average exit velocity on certain pitches and certain counts, their hot and cold zones, their um, swing and miss percentages on certain pitches, their hot and cold zones of swinging and missing, and so. I use a lot of those for formulating a game plan to go, um, you know, go out that night and um, call call a good game. So basically, just like studying for a an important test, you're doing the homework and putting in the work ahead of time so that you know it's going to be easier once Absolutely. that test that's comes. A, definitely, that's that's exactly it. Awesome, man. And is there anything that you're tracking in terms of your personal performance? Are there any? any metrics that you're paying close attention to, or is it just a matter of, you know, as you've said, doing kind of what you feel like you need to do? I like to watch video of myself just to, uh, every once in a while, I'm not a, not a huge video person. There's guys who will watch it every day and I probably watch it once a week. Um, and you know, there's, I like to see how hard I'm hitting the ball. Um, I don't look too far into it. I, I I know when I'm hitting the ball hard. I know when I'm hitting the good part of the bat. So I don't feel the need to know all the time. Um, yeah. You know, but we're also using video for catching now. And so now I, I'm, you know, trying to figure out how I can get more strikes. And so a lot of the times I'll try and look at my hot and cold zones for balls being called strikes that um, for myself. And so it's kind of, you use it for hitting in defense. So deciding what pitches you, you're able to hit well, deciding, you know, what pitches to let go and, and what you have, you know, kind of your hot zones then. Your, your well, yeah, because if you, because everybody has, everybody has the same information. So if they know that my, you know, if, if they know I, I hit the ball really well middle in, like I'm probably going to get pitched away. And so, right. you know, if, if the cold zone, if the hot zones show that I, my exit velocity on the balls inside are above average, they're, they're probably not going to throw the ball there on purpose. And so you can also formulate a game plan based off of, you know, your own, 
own um, numbers. Yeah. Little constant yeah. game of cat and mouse, man. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, you've obviously been around a ton of great players. You've been around a ton of great coaches. What, um, what's the best piece of advice that you've received from someone just on, on how to be a successful baseball player, or how to handle, you know, kind of the big, the big stage of baseball? Well, that's a tough one. You know, I learned a lot. Um, my, my second year in pro ball, my, which was my first like full season, I played uh, the second half of the season when I was called up to our high A team. I played for Doug Minkiewicz. And, um, you know, he won a World Series. And just the, the, the things he would say, the way he went about, went about his business, um, you know, it was just very, you know, professional. And <clears throat> I really enjoyed, like, the lessons I learned from him. You know, hitting-wise, he really helped me um, – formulate a game plan hitting lefties like left on left so i'd say he was definitely you know pretty influential and in just you know the short my short pro ball career so far and sounds like a lot of that stuff is just process related <clears throat> that you can carry with you oh yeah forward. absolutely it's it's all baseball is when people say it's a process it, it really is a process well man we don't want to keep you too long just a couple more questions um one i want to ask you kind of about you know just drills or, or training on the field training that you're doing as a catcher to keep you sharp is there anything that you really find to be particularly useful that uh you would pass on to a, a high school uh, kid wise, a lot of the stuff i do is just off the machine and so it's just you know trying to manipulate the ball as much as i can and you know make it look like a strike um you know a lot of a lot of uh the way catching is going now, it's it's all about kind of angles and showing the the umpire the best angle for him to see the pitch, and so knowing where umpires are going to set up is a huge thing because you're, you know, I mean, you know where they're going to be. You can set up that angle and set your angle of your body so they have the best look at it. So not just the actual physical act of receiving, but also having an approach for for success in terms of thinking about what what other yep, people need exactly to do. That's exactly right. Awesome. How about on the hitting side? Are there any drills that you really find um, get you ready to play? Is it more, you know, machine work and, and stuff that tries to simulate game action or, or different I'm a huge drills? believer in hitting off the tee. And um, the reason why is if I can't hit the ball off the tee how I want to when I want to, like how am I expecting to hit 100 miles an hour? And so, mm-hmm. you know, being able to – hit the ball all over the field off different pitches and practicing where my barrel needs to be off a tee, I think is really beneficial because then I can take that and, you know, bring it into a game. Awesome, man. Awesome. All right. Two questions left. The first one, you know, it's something that we ask everyone and you talked a little bit about it earlier, but just what's your best piece of advice for a high school baseball player in terms of how they can continue to improve and, and make strides towards their goal of playing at the next level? I would just continue to make sure I'm having fun because when you're not having fun, this game can, can eat you up. And uh, it, uh, you know, having fun and then also kind of just with the way recruiting is now, you kind of just have to keep your head down because you're going to see guys that you believe shouldn't be recruited and they're going to be 
getting offers from who knows what school and you believe you should be, you know, getting those offers. And so you kind of just have to keep your head down and realize that it's not about who commits first. It's about, you know, the later on parts of your career and, you know, all those, all those things that go with that. Finding the best fit. Mm-hmm. Love that, man. All right. Last question. Hopefully this isn't uh, too hard on you, but just want to give you an open mic. Got a chance to address a bunch of young players and parents right now. Is there anything that we didn't cover that, that you think they should know? Um, any advice or inspiration you want to leave them with as your last words? That is pretty loaded. Um, enjoy the whole recruiting process. It's something that, uh, you know, you can only really experience once. And so taking your time to find the best fit, to find the best coaching staff, to make sure the coaching staff is is how they come off to be, you know, like just don't make, make sure they're not just like a really good talker. Make sure that they are the same way on the field as they are talking to you as a recruit, you know, go to practices on your own to watch how the coach coaching staff interacts with players to make sure it's the same as the way they're interacting with you in the office and on the tours. And then just, you know, have fun with the whole thing. Awesome, man. That's the best, best advice yet right there. Good note to close on. Um, I want to thank you for coming on, obviously. Thank you for your continued support of Keep Playing Baseball and uh, definitely wish you best of luck in the season coming up. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I'm, uh, I'm excited to get out to spring training and, uh, you know, get back into the baseball grind. Awesome. You guys can follow Mitchell with the Twins and we'll add his social media into the text under this episode. Thanks for listening to another episode, guys. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the College Baseball Recruiting 101 podcast brought to you by Keep Playing Baseball. As always, if you need more information on the recruiting process or how to play college baseball, you can find that for free on our website, www.keepplayingbaseball.org. We're also very active on social media. That's at Keep Playing BB on Twitter. Keep Playing Baseball on Facebook, and at Keep Playing Baseball on Instagram. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please take the time to subscribe and leave us a review, or at least tell your friends. We provide all this information for free because we want to help you get to the next level. If you're interested in a partnership or sponsorship in underwriting some of the Keep Playing Baseball content on our website, or being the title sponsor or running ads on our podcast, please don't hesitate to reach out to keepplayingbaseball at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening to this episode, and we look forward to catching you on the next one.